0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the World Class Agency podcast and on this week's show we're going to be talking to Charlotte Jeffrey Campbell from The Able Agent and she's going to be talking to us about what world class training looks like to her and Sam and I have made a commitment this week that we're not going to witter on before we introduce our guest we made that mistake last week so let's dive straight in and introduce today's guest Sam.
1: Continuing our theme of highlighting world-class women working in and around a state agency, our guest today comes loaded with a career spanning over 16 years in the property industry. She's managed offices in global corporates as well as multi-branch independents and now spends her days giving back to the industry that's given her so much through her company, The Able Agent. She says that when she tells people she trains estate agents for a living, people often raise an eyebrow, give her a bit of a funny look and ask why. Charlotte Jeffrey Campbell, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast.
2: Oh, welcome. It's brilliant to be here
1: thank you for coming on
0: yeah absolutely thank you thank you very much um, charlotte the first question that we wanted to ask is um, why why do you think given that you've got such a passion to improve agents why do you think that training isn't one of the industry's key focuses
2: i don't know and i think i think it's from the top down i think is the problem with with training in agencies because actually i think the negotiators themselves are always really willing and perceptive uh, and receptive and they want to do it but I think from an agency boss point of view it's quite difficult to access a lot of the time you know if you think about having to plan an away day you've got to get cover you've got to make sure you get your stuff there and the whole thing can work out to be very expensive Mm, or if you're studying a qualification you've got to buy a huge manual and then you hand that over and it, it you're not in control of your training and I think that's probably one of the one of the big issues unless you're a big corporate who do it well because they have control over it perhaps that's one of the key issues
1: do you think big corporates do do it well
2: well I work with some of the corporates and I think they are able to be more consistent and I think they whether you agree with what they achieve out of it and what their methodology is around it I think they're very structured and they look very much at taking an individual and progressing them through their through their job roles. So, yes, I would say they have access to better training, definitely.
0: Can I just pick up on something that you said um, in, in your answer there, Charlotte, about um, making cover, making time? Can we look at perhaps some little practicalities of, of the training that you think works best? Is it out of office and is it a case of shutting the office or arranging for somebody to cover the office? How do you think in, you know, sort of small yeah. independence, one to three offices that it can work best?
2: Well, I think one of the things I think is that the training is about the team, the staff, the negotiators. I'm real passionate about the front of line staff getting the training. And quite often I see big events and all the bosses go. So the manager's gone or the owner of the business is gone and the next rely on that feedback in. So Mm. I think there shouldn't be too much of a difficulty in booking your negotiators out to go on a training day because the senior team should be able to cover or should be in a position to cover. Um, And that's one of the areas I think we should look at. Plus, I find in training, sometimes if you've got the boss sitting in the room with you while you're training the team, it can have a negative impact on the training because the team themselves feel observed and under pressure. Um, Some companies are great like that because the bosses are very supportive, but in others, it's definitely a more difficult environment and the staff get more nervous. I get much more out of them when I can put my arm around their shoulder and say, right, this is what we're aspiring to achieve today. Mm. Um, you know talk me through your experience and your gaps and what do you want to achieve and they come out much more engaged
1: I think engagement's the key right if you can get buy-in from almost anybody that comes but I think it's fair to say that a business owner is going to buy into the business because it's directly affecting their bottom line but that's where training starts to have a real effect I think on a business is when you get buy-in from that person who's six months into their career and they their eyes open up I, I remember going to an ARIC conference um I started working in the state agency in August 2010, and went to an ARIC conference in May 2011. And it was the first time that I thought, "Holy shit!" Like, mm. there are there are people here who've done this for 20 years; they're millionaires, um, but they're also just normal people, and they just like they just work their asses off, basically. Yeah. Um, how is there? Is there a way, and this is us going way away from the questions that we wanted to ask you, but is there it's a right. way that you it's can... It's not like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, is there a module or a training course or something that you should start and neg out on? Like, is that... like this, where, where should think, you start with training?
2: I think it's really important. I think at the moment in the industry, or what has traditionally happened is new starter starts they sit next to the manager and there's follow what the manager does or follow what Nelly does and incidentally Nelly is really busy and isn't trained to train people so hasn't got the skills to to understand what that individual person needs because every person in your business will learn and absorb information in a very very different way I mean I need to hear things two or three times myself before it engages and before it clicks I know that about myself now I'm nearing 50 you know Um, but you don't know that when you're 25 you don't understand Understand the best way to learn. And I think all of it for me is about um, as a tool giving people choice in what works for them. So there isn't necessarily one standard product that's going to work for everybody, but you need almost a blend. But I think what's most important that each person has a plan in terms of training, whether that's a bit of their own self development, whether that's looking on, you know, listening to podcasts, looking on the internet, um, reading the, the trade press, or it is something like our able agent. Uh, e-learning where there is a very very clear planned platform of training so on day one you can start an induction module or if you've been in the industry for 20 years you can learn how to upsell to property management better or management training or whatever it is but you might also benefit from front of house training where you go and sit with a trainer so i think there's no right answer but it has to be about the person and it has to be a blend
0: and that's exactly the same as everyone pitches differently, everyone sells differently. Um, yeah. So why, you know, I'm, I'm sure every manager um, of an estate agent or every estate agency owner can understand and appreciate that and allow their team to sell in the way that they're most effective. So why would we insist that yeah. they train in a classroom rather than, you know, as you said, maybe an e-learning module or maybe podcasts and, and what have you. It's yeah. something that we've definitely implemented in our business. I know now what, how I learn best and I really enjoy listening to um, and doing these podcasts as well. So that works really well Mm. for me, but it doesn't necessarily work for every member of the team.
2: No, and it is that. And, and you know what? The most important thing about training is it has to be enjoyable. You have to spend your time watching something. We had an email from one of our um, new people on, on Able Agent the other day, and he'd started doing it in the evening when he got home. And he said, and the word he used was, I was addicted. Yeah. And I thought, brilliant, you know, that's, mass, that's my box ticked. If you can't put down what you're watching because you're addicted to the ideas that are coming through, that's the point. That's what training's all about, isn't it?
1: Absolutely then they're going to get the most. that comes back to your point earlier about engagement, you know, um, mm. and probably selfishly for your business. If he was addicted to it, he's going to tell everyone at work that, he, you know, it was great <laughs> yeah. and he needs to go and do it as well
2: yeah and that's the point isn't it whatever the training format is you want people to be enthusiastic about it um, and when we run training i mean i do a lot of training face to face training as well as my 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 alter ego which is you know has been training in the industry for the last 9 years <laughs> and i know if the staff leave and they've engaged and then they follow up with me afterwards and they ask me other questions that i've got their buy in and it comes back to that same thing about agents isn't it if my team that i'm training trust me as the trainer that's that's the battle done it's the same if you're as an agent and your client trusts you Mm. you've done your job right you know
1: that that was a question i i was just waving to put my hand up and ask when when you said like that people go away and they can talk about what you trained and it's clear to see that you've got buy-in is that exactly how an agent should be when they're pitching to a client you know what that absolutely. you want to leave you want to leave evaluation almost having taught them the, the real estate process, you know, so yeah, they're absolutely. they're engaged and enthusiastic about working
2: with yeah. You. I'm I'm a huge believer in that we as as agents are a trust a trusted professional advisor. That's our role. Yeah, we have to sell. I mean you're not going to exist in this industry if you can't sell, but you know, from a customer's point of view, you're gonna win much more business if they trust you. Mm. Um, and for me it's one of those things that if the if the client rings into the branch and says, I spoke to a lady last week, I can't remember who it was, you've failed because yeah. if you weren't memorable enough and um, that they remember your name, then you didn't get your expertise across. So I think if you're knowledgeable and expert in your industry, it's much easier for your natural instincts to kick in as a salesperson, which is actually advice. And if you get the advice right, then you win the business.
1: I would agree with you hundred percent about sales actually just being advice. You know, everyone mm-hmm. talks, you see those, I, I shared a video in our little community Facebook group the other day about like phone salesmen. Um, and they were joking about like rinsing mm-hmm. people to buy the latest phone plan. But I remember in, in the old days I used to have uh, one of those Motorola flip phones and, and oh. I I bought it because every single one of my friends told me it was the best phone out there. Um, and I, they were my friends, so I trusted them, and I took their advice. And then I walk into a phone store, and there's a phone guy there, and he's like, "Have you heard of this thing called the, the iPhone? It's new. It's from <laughs> Apple." And I was like, "Don't they make computers?" He's like, "Well, it's kind of like a computer for your pocket." And then I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more." Um, mm. And then have been sucked into that uh, cycle yeah. ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I think that's a really uh, simple way of. Um, explaining what sales actually is. And you've just got to earn the right to give advice. If you're selling from the start, then you're never going to get anywhere.
2: Yeah, and I think that comes down to, as an owner of a business, do you trust your team's knowledge? Um, do, you, do they really understand what they're doing or have they just picked it up from the environment around them? And, and again, the environment around them might be very good, but it might not be. And, um, and with the staff turnover that we have in our industry, there's a real risk that the quality and the skill set Um, struggles over time so it's really important to touch base and there's such a mix in our industry I mean it's you know as an agency trainer it's phenomenal the range of knowledge experience that you see I mean it's I can't imagine any other industries have the extreme we have um, in in knowledge
0: yeah it can, it can it can be quite quite severe can't it you talked then um about an owner do you, do you trust your team's knowledge who do you who do you think the obligation falls on for for training we talked that there's loads of different ways of that you can learn is the obligation mm-hmm. more on the owner or the staff or does it fall somewhere in between
2: I, you know, I, I, I think it it falls on the owner of a business because, you know, my husband's an auditor. You know, he's he's a. It works for Deloitte. You know, if he didn't turn up on his training every period of time that was organised by his company, he would not be compliant to check big businesses' accounts and sign them off. So you know from his point of view that's absolutely the employer's role I think there's a difference between an employer's responsibility and and then just a widening of knowledge so I think widening of knowledge is the negotiator or the manager's responsibility because you have Mm. to understand what's going on around you but that's different from the core training that you absolutely need to be able to be the expert in your job role.
1: I'm literally furiously writing notes about uh, how you need to uh, have a a wider body of knowledge. And I really like what you just said there about, you know, you said uh, having extreme knowledge, you know, and and, then making sure that as a business owner, you trust your team's knowledge. And that probably comes back to a question that I want to ask, which is I've spoken to a lot of um, particularly young people in agency and, and worked with some of them as well, where they're at a bit of a crossroads in their career because they want to go and do training, but their bosses, aren't investing Mm -hmm. in going them and and you were talking about sending negotiators on these to these conferences or that is a lot better rather than just the bosses and going and having a day off school and and getting a bit drunk like (laughs) how how do you work to change the mindset of some agency owners out there and we're fortunate that we've got quite a few business owners that listen to this as as well Mm -hmm. as negotiators and I'm sure the people who do listen to this podcast are already of this mindset so you're probably just preaching to the choir um but how how would you go about shifting the mindset of an agency and and perhaps even a corporate where they're sort of that there's a at least a common thought out there that corporate agencies don't necessarily train their staff as much as they should because people often leave and then it's Mm -hmm. the cyclical of maybe they wouldn't leave if you trained them more and gave them more of a pathway so how how do you shift that mindset and or, or what do you do to shift that mindset
2: I think you have to make training easy. I think you have to make it easy and you have to make it accessible. And that was really where we came at the ABLE agent from. I mean, for me, it had been frustration because... You know, I looked at all the negotiators I was coming across, you know, all over the country, I do training and thinking, it's great. I go in, I have a lovely day with them and, we, and I get them inspired, but it's really hard to then support them afterwards and, and, and then monitor. And if you don't monitor and do the training, what was the point of the, the fantastic day out? So you have to make it easy. So that the away days are great because they're there for inspiration and fresh ideas, but you need a tool that then means that they've got something to self-study that they go to afterwards and ultimately measure how successful the training's been. Um, it's harder if they're just with an agent, a trainer for a day, but if you've got something like an online course like we have, in each one of our films, there is a tip in there that will be something that they don't do, something that's new, and that will definitely win business. I mean, we talk about things like, if you plan every single phone call you make and consider what business opportunity there might be, you will win more business. And whether that's viewing feedback or ringing somebody just for a vendor contact update, every single one of those calls, if you think about it in advance, Mm. is an opportunity to find out about solicitors, referrals, mortgage, property management. How many properties do they own? No agents ask that question very often. And it's one of the most important questions you could ever come across. So make it easy, I suppose, is the best way to change the mindset. And I keep getting told off for using this word, um, cheap, because <laughs> 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 I mean, we've priced it to the point that we've done this because we're really passionate about we, what we do. Mm. It's not just about money, uh, you know, and we're, we're understanding of agents pressure at the moment. So cost effective is the number, the word I'm supposed to use and, um, and accessible and easy. That's the, that's the, that's the mindset, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this this might be this, a similar answer to to what you've just um, given, but we talked earlier about um, training should come top down. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I I think it should be initiated top down, but there is an obligation on, on both. But yeah. what happens if you're an agent who's working for a company that isn't particularly keen to put yeah. on training, doesn't want to invest in their staff? What, what can yeah. you do think, as an agent within that sort of business?
2: Yeah, and I think I would have been that negotiator if I look back at my early career, I would have, which incidentally is nearly 25 years, not 16. But thank you for taking 10 years off my age. <laughs> um, I would have definitely been one of the negotiators who would have who would have jumped at an opportunity, and I would have paid for it for myself. I absolutely know I would, uh, and I know when I talk to agents, a lot of people would. So things like our, our online learning, and that we've got a C, the CPAP qualification. We wrote a new level three qualification because we felt that there wasn't enough choice in the industry and we've got that packaged up and we're doing really nice deals if somebody comes to me and says i want to develop myself do you know what i'll do you a deal because actually the whole point is that you're supporting those individuals Mm. um and 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 if somebody's really wanting to train themselves and develop then you know buy an off-the-shelf package to do it and it doesn't doesn't really matter what it is you know it's as long as you're doing something i think you will you will learn what you know and what you don't know
0: absolutely and how effective as a negotiator um, how impressed is your manager or owner going to yeah. be if you if you walk into work one day and say oh, i've just signed yeah. up to this you know check it out or i listen yeah. to this podcast this world-class absolutely. agency podcast i listened to that yeah. last week and yeah. these were my takeaways and you're almost training yeah. Training yeah. up, but how inspirational is that then going to be yeah. to the manager to say, "Oh, yeah. actually, this person really wants to go somewhere. We should have Yeah, in. absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's, and do you know
2: what? It's almost more than that to a degree because I think when I worked as an, I mean, I've done negotiating jobs, management, listing, but I was a property man. I was head of a property management department for quite a few years, and I, well, obviously, I hated it. I hate property management. That's not my world. <laughs> I love sales and people, but it was brilliant for my knowledge. But I still spent a lot of my time with my fingers crossed behind my back, thinking, "I think I'm right, but I 'm not entirely sure because nobody given me that really core underpinning knowledge, mm. so I think that underpinning knowledge, whether you have to find it yourself or whether somebody else helps you with it, doesn't ask to give you confidence in your in your career um, and then if you 're in a company that isn't training you and you 've got qualifications, I know we 're not mentioning the the Roper word but as that comes in you become highly in demand in the future if you're qualified and knowledgeable and self-motivated that's the that's the golden
0: triangle isn't it mm. I'm, I'm willing i'm willing to learn as well we talked on last week's um podcast with stephen brown he talked about viewing every day as a, as a learning day so it's not i don't think you know we're in an industry where you can get the qualification if the qualification comes in and then stop and rest on your laws it's got it's got to be constant because the regulation is always changing and it's it's like a you know a football team if you just if you win the league one year and then you know you don't improve further someone's going to catch you up and it's exactly the same in in this industry
2: yeah and it is that and i think I think CPD will be an element anyway that we would have to do moving forward if if licensing does come in. But actually, it comes back to what I said right at the beginning. Training has to be accessible. It has to be easy. So, you know, if you need to be um, more confident in the minimum EPC standards that are coming in in April, where do you go and get that information just at the drop of a hat, you know? So, I mean, we created Able Agent as that kind of resource. So, I mean, this week we've got minimum EPC standards going out. We're doing films on the energy um you know um, energy electrical checks that are coming in you know everything that changes is there accessible and i think at the moment agents just bang an email out they find an email they bang it out they update the team and the team read it and think i've read it i've ticked it but i don't really understand it Mm -hmm. so our aim has always been to translate it into english that the negotiators understand but even more than that that they can apply to selling Because if you know what you're doing and you can talk about minimum EPC standards, that's a much more powerful route to a phone call to try and win a listing than anything else, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And putting it into a format where somebody actually learns because some people will learn from reading that email, other people will want to watch a video or or what have you. Um, But I will ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions um Charlotte and maybe they're the same answer but let's see um firstly Mm. what what do you think is the most important skill that you train and finally a question that we ask all of our guests is what does world-class estate agency look like to you Ooh, what's the most useful skill that I
2: train questioning I would think because I think if you, if you really have good skills at questioning, and obviously listening applies to this as well, if you really get good at asking details, open questions, and then you listen to answers, and you've got a degree of knowledge and, you've got, and you do motivate yourself with a bit of training, knowledge and information is, is the most powerful thing that you can ever have. Um, because if you understand a bit more about your customer, the ability to sell becomes second nature it becomes natural and it's not salesy so that would definitely be my answer I think if you're really good at questioning then it leads to gathering information and that is power
0: and is that what you think world-class agency is then fantastic questioning yeah, and then listening
2: yeah yes I think but I also think world-class agency for me is about the individual I think if it goes back to what I said before if every single client who rings into your office is asking for a specific person that to me is world-class agency because it means every single person in your team is trusted as an advisor and whatever conversations they've had have led to led to another conversation and every scenario somebody's coming back to you every single time without you always having to go to them that to me is is world-class because we as an agency um, industry now we are so reliant on being reactive um so you know the reactive element of, of what we do has got to change so world-class agency you have to be picking up the phone speaking to people but they've got to want to answer your call and they won't if they don't trust you or they don't want to talk to you so all of that links in together i think
1: that's a fantastic answer and and, and one i think mark and i are just nodding on to and, and agreeing with uh now as <laughs> well um Charlotte I want to say thank you for for giving us your time so early in the morning um that was a great chat I I have been just I I hope you can't hear me typing away in the background but there was so much (laughs) there that we we tend to sort of spend 10 minutes or so unpacking these episodes and talking about through sort of what made us um sit up in our chairs and listen out and there was just so much in there that I didn't want to make sure that we missed anything so that we could actually spend time going back and forth and and sort of Diving a little bit deeper on on everything that you've given us. So from us, from our listeners, um, I just want to say a massive thank you. We're very grateful for your time.
2: No, it's been brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Sam. Thank you.
0: A massive thank you to Charlotte once again for joining us on this week's podcast. I don't know about you, Sam, but I've got an awful lot of notes. There was some fantastic content in there for for us to um, to talk about. Now, where do we
1: yeah, start? I, I was I'm conscious of like the how hard I was trying to type to, to get the notes out while Charlotte was talking. So I'm hoping that there's not like a pitter patter of keyboard strokes in the, in the background on that recording. But I, um, yeah, that was, that was 20 minutes of sort of straight fire where there was not not a wasted word, I don't think. Um, and I mean, I'm just going to start at the top of my notes, which is the, the, the sort of first thing that I picked up on was that negotiators want training more than their bosses want to give it. And I think that that's, really representative of our industry as a whole. Um, There are business owners out there that solely focus on upskilling and training their staff, and they're the business owners that have great businesses, and there are so many out there that don't see it as an investment rather than a cost. Um, And yet, if you can train the the people who are the front line, as Charlotte said, in your business and show them there's a pathway to progression but also bigger earnings and actual career, um, you end up with the best people. You know, you create the best people. Let alone having to go out and hire them and pay exorbitant recruitment fees, etc. So I think that was that was a great point well made.
0: And that's actually, something that we didn't actually talk about with Charlotte, but it, it absolutely must be true. If those negotiators want training and you're not offering them training, you know, I said okay, some of it's got to come from the the next, but I I do agree with Charlotte. It's got to, it's got to come from from the boss, particularly in the first instance. If you're not offering the training and they want it what's going to happen? They're just going to leave. They leave, go they leave yeah. the business, yeah. They leave the business to go and find somewhere where, where they do offer the training, where they do allow them to, to progress their skills, become more knowledgeable and move on with, with their career. So it's as much about, you know, not just upskilling your team, but also retaining the talent that you've got.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe Charlotte talked about um one have like the, the, the best way to implement training is to make it entertaining and engaging and keep them enthusiastic but to also just have a plan in terms of your training so it's not this scattergun approach of you're going to a conference today or you're going to this course it's know what you're going to be doing plan it out over a reasonable period of time so that people can see where they're going and i'll see where they end up at, at the end and that's what gets buy-in i think from from everyone involved um and you're right like I I would love to know. Maybe we should get somebody on the podcast who has left the industry and gone on to see success in whatever they're doing because I would love to know just the amount of good talent that has come into a state agency and then left because they weren't given that support they need. And to skip the end of my notes, they weren't given that core knowledge of, of what Charlotte was saying about everything they needed to do their job because I reckon that there would be some really good people out there that used to be an estate agent. Um, that have probably a poor experience internally, um, and then have just been spreading that unfortunate word ever since.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know if if you know anyone. I'm, I'm struggling to um, to think of anyone off the top of my head, but maybe we'll we'll have a look at doing that. One of the um, things, just moving on um, with with my notes, is that um, Charlotte made a very good point, and you you talked about the boss enjoying and going out um, on these one day events. But actually, is it more important that it's done with the frontline staff, which interestingly enough can be better without the boss. So as a boss, do you observe the training or do you not?
1: Yeah, I think if you send your staff to anything and we've we've sent a few of our guys on um, Stephen Brown's courses and, and we've been fortunate enough to be invited to a couple of others where we were just guests of the people putting them on. Um, I, I try and not go now because... Uh, I'm fortunate enough that we get to learn from people that we talk to on this podcast every week, plus yeah, everything course. else that I'm doing. Um, and I think there's more value in them going, but I say to them, it's not a day of school. You know, you've got to come back and you've got to, in our Monday meetings or in our Friday meetings where we sort of meet up with our development staff, and we have like a full on company wrap of how the week's gone. You're expected to say, this is what I did and this is what I learned. And this is how I'm going to apply it in our business. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's not like school camp where you just go and learn to tie knots for a week or you might go and you know canoe up a river and everyone just basically treats it like a holiday. It is very much um, legitimate work that's going to have an impact on our business one way or the other. If it is just a day of our office, that's going to impact our business negatively. But if they go and yes. they learn something and they implement and then they educate the rest of our team, then it's only going to go one way.
0: And that's it, isn't it? You know, whatever training that, you talk about so Charlotte talked about making training um, fun and in the format that that you t- like to learn in, which is which is a very very good point. But actually, if you write notes in a book and put it in your top drawer and never go back to it, so you're not implementing anything, then it's just as useless as you know training in a way that you don't you don't enjoy. So it's got it's got to be in the implementation.
1: I, I I would agree with with all of that. You know, it, it just and again, that just makes sense. And some like that, that's how, you know, something is the right thing. I think if, if you don't question it, you're just like, actually, that does make sense. And um, that sort of goes back to a point that Charlotte made that we sort of picked up on about sales. It's just giving advice. And so if you can leave a client engaged, you know, maybe a little bit entertained because she said humor plays a big part in her training. I think humor actually makes a difference in, in people having confidence and comfort in you. If you can highlight something so simply that it becomes humorous, then you totally understand it um, and that's a really important piece but you, if you get to the point where you're just giving people advice and their response to you is yeah that just makes sense you know or the, their response to each other is everything mark told me made complete sense then it just makes complete sense to use mark
0: it's like whereas, a penny drop moment isn't it
1: yeah whereas if you just go in there and perhaps you don't have you know she talked about do you trust your team's knowledge? You know, and you and I off air were like, that was, that's powerful. We've got to make sure yeah. that we, we trust our team's knowledge. We've got to make sure that every agent listens to this, trusts our guests knowledge um, so that it gets passed on and absorbed. Um, if um, I've lost my train of thought, if your clients don't trust your knowledge, then there's no way that they're going to engage with you. So, you know, I think she made the point greatest day agencies about having extreme knowledge. And I love that. It really yeah. is. You know,
0: yeah um a couple of people have, have spoken to me sort of high prof well not high profile but successful business leaders and one of the things that um a family friend told me a few years ago was that oh, great knowledge whatever it is whether it was financial advice i was in at the time whether it's a state agency whether it's running a business you need to have that extreme knowledge you're, you're absolutely right and she talked about the corporates doing training quite well. Um, and I know that we could probably debate that all day, but the word that she used, which comes up time and time again, is consistency. She said the corporates do training consistently. And that's one of the reasons that they that they do it well. So again, you know, we're not, um, you know, not going over old ground here, but it is a word that comes up, um, on a very, very regular basis, that consistency.
1: Yeah. And I think they've probably got the resources and this has be, I, I imagine that that was the initial thought that a lot of our listeners will have had, well, they'll just be, Oh, they've got, you know, trainers, yes. so they can make it consistent. But the reality is, you know, Steven, and Andy, and Luke put out a podcast every week. We put out a podcast every week, uh, Simon and, and Mincy put out a podcast every week. So there's literally three hours a week right there yeah. that there's three separate conversations about three different topics that are going to help your business you know, let alone the thousands of other podcasts out there about personal development, business, real estate, estate agency in general, or anything else that you want to go and learn from, you know, uh, Chris Watkins has got, uh, and my apologies, I've started calling him Chris Watkins because everyone does, but his name is 100% Christopher Watkin. So I'm going to ask him that when I see him as to whether he, whether that bothers him, but he's got a thousand hours of YouTube videos, you know, like the stuff's out there. If, if you want to be consistent, you've just got to make a choice. And that comes with Stephen spoke about that last week. It is about choice. And yeah. so th- there are no excuses to say I didn't, I didn't get the training um, from, a, from any level really. And there shouldn't be any excuses from a boss level to say we can't afford it because there's just so much free stuff out there. Um, well, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but I, I was listening to the EA podcast uh, a few weeks ago and they had the head of client services from Martin Gerard on. And yep. the, the guy spoke exceptionally well, you know, he was somebody that that business could be proud of. He was somebody that you would trust his team's knowledge. And he says every morning he walks in there and he plays the podcast that he listens to, to his yes. team. So that yep. the knowledge is being shared. You know, I, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking to myself, is he sharing our podcast? I'm not too sure. Um, but maybe now that we've mentioned him, we can tag him in there as a <laughs> yeah, friend of the show
0: <laughs> to encourage him to, to listen to us. Just get, yeah. Yeah, Listen, oh, Nice. Nice. Um, I'm very conscious that we're probably now talking for almost as long as, as Charlotte <laughs> did again. But um, one thing that I really wanted to, um, to to sort of focus in on just before we go is um, Charlotte's answer to the most important skill that she trains is great questioning and great listening. Yeah. And I think, I think that is a training or a role play or practice, as Luke calls it. Um, sort of thing that's not I don't think something that you you just have that's something that you've got to learn and practice to improve on
1: agreed um you you can have a list of great questions and but if you just stick to those five questions every time then you are just that cookie cutter approach you've got to listen and it, it was the perfect example of this at least maybe not perfect but it was a reasonable example of this in that podcast we asked one question that we planned to ask you know <laughs> um, the rest of it. So just, that makes it a great question. But it was because we were listening, is, is yes. sort of the point that I'm making. So, had we just stuck to the four or five questions that we wanted to ask, the conversation wouldn't have flowed as naturally. We wouldn't have been able to get as much value from Charlotte as she was able to give because we wanted to dive deeper. Um, and I think we've probably learned that from the early days of us doing this, where we were quite rigid and someone would say something about, uh, as an example, the weather. And then we'd be like, oh, tell us about the ground as well. You know? <laughs> and yeah one of my poorer analogies um but yeah I, i i think you need to be able to listen and you need to have your messaging and your structure but that has to be adaptable every time because every single person you're speaking to is going to be different and that's how you engage them that's how you get them to go yeah that makes sense you know that's how you get that sales as advice um more than anything else
0: and that's the sales piece that Charlotte talked about isn't it so she talked about the knowledge um, you know you've got to have that knowledge and then the sales piece is adapting that knowledge to give it to the client in the way that they're most receptive to it whether it's stats whether it's stories whether you know it's whatever Um, and then interestingly enough Charlotte talked about the answer to world-class agency being about the individual and uh, I thought it was a really interesting way that she said the way that we measure that is that when everyone rings into the office they um are asking for an individual i mm-hmm. actually thought that was a really interesting point because it's something that in moving works we try and discourage in that we have a team that everybody should be able to deal with everybody because if someone's off or someone's out of the office you know our service doesn't fall down what should you put on that sam
1: I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with having that mentality that you guys have there because people should be able to pick up the slack, but that's more internal communication. So making sure that notes are kept well on your CRM. So if someone is away and someone calls in and says, Hey, can I speak to Mark? And you're out of the office. Somebody else can go. It's okay. I know that you spoke to him last time on the eighth and you guys spoke about this because as a team, we share these to make sure everyone helps, but they should still be calling in and speaking to you and you should be teeing up when I'm going to be speaking to them. And I'm going to be the person helping me like where Felicity and I are getting more serious about looking at at where we want to live um, and whether we buy the place that we live in off our landlord or whether we actually go and move house, which is a, a shuddering thought to think about. But every agent that I speak to, I say to them, would it be okay if it was just you and I, that talk to each other because I, I don't necessarily want to have five agents from one off from one agency working for me. And so I asked questions like, do you guys, are you able to sell out stock in other offices? And they say, yes. And I was like, cool. Can you make a note on read pit or whatever your CRM is that says, I'm just going to deal with them. He's asked for that. Yeah. And they say they have, and yet I get emails from four different people and I get phone calls from people who don't even introduce themselves. And they just we they we inquired on what looked like the perfect fire annealing. It didn't. Turns out it didn't exist. That's the story for another time. Um, <laughs> but I get I get calls from officers in Harrow, from officers in Wembley, um, from Kew Gardens, and I'm just sort of. I said, "Is that note still on the CRM?" And they're just like, oh, "I didn't look like you we were just on my call sheet today."
0: That is terrible.
1: Appreciate terrible. the honesty, but but probably not world class estate agency, you know, because no. I don't have an individual to deal with.
0: And actually bringing that right back to one of Charlotte's points is that person clearly did not have a plan for that call because if they had a plan for that call, they would have taken two minutes, not even two minutes, you know, what is it 20 seconds to look at the notes, to look at the last conversation, because if you make, you're absolutely right. And, um, it's maybe the measure is asking, is somebody asking for the individual internally, you deal with that, how you deal with it. Um, but, it's making good notes and then it's having a plan for the call. So someone has to check those notes. If they're not checking those notes, that ultimately is what can, um, can make people describe moving house as a shuddering experience as you just did. Agreed. Great stuff. Great stuff. I think that probably does us on the, on that point. It feels like I'm ending on a negative, which is not really what I want to do because um, I thought Charlotte offered some some great value and hopefully um, that's been really, really valuable for for our listeners. So, so thank you to Charlotte. Thank you, Sam. And thank you to everybody um, for listening. As you know, um, all that we're asking is like, share us out. Hopefully you can see that we do this because we love our industry and we want to see it get better. I'm Mark Orrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.